Energy. Energy, energy, energy. <laughs> Did you just say Rochelle Obama? Michelle. Michelle. Okay, because I thought you said Rochelle Obama. I know I have a thick accent. <laughs> What's your name? Sarah. <laughs> These people aren't calling me a Mustang. Everyone says to me, Do people call you Mustang? <laughs> and I'm like, Not twice. <laughs> I use my fake name. <laughs> What's your fake name? Sally. <laughs> hey, Sarah. Hey, Sally. We're in the same room again. We are. It's good to see you. I've still got a little bit of a cold, which is great. Yeah. Doesn't sound like it, though. I know. I've got such a sexy voice. <laughs> I would never have ever said that. Oh, please. Plenty of people have. And you were feeling me up before. She did a whole Jeffrey Rush thing. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> What I did was reach over and grab the cord to plug her microphone in. Mm, and and then cut my breasts. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. <laughs> I actually just rubbed your leg accidentally with my Yeah, hand. A- accidentally <laughs> fingers up in quotation points. Well, it's good that you, you're bringing this up, Sarah, um, because this week the episode is on uh, legal stuff. Mm. And I've called it legal stuff because I don't know how else to put it. The law. Because it's not really the law. But as someone... Okay, Olivia Benson, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) But as someone who has seen um, all seasons of The Good Wife and both seasons of The Good Fight, I feel like I'm qualified enough, guys, to actually... To be a lesbian investigator. Sorry, bisexual investigator. To give you uh, legal advice. So if you'd like to start calling in... And that's the only reason you started watching that show. No, I like Juliana Margulies. What's her name? I don't know. What's Margulies. her name? Margulies. yeah. Um, I loved her in Ghost Ship. <laughs> oh, that was a – can you take your phone and put it on silent, please? I've got people who want to talk to me. <laughs> Probably the messages on repeat. Oh, please. <laughs> Notify three times. Every ten minutes. <laughs> oh, I'm just so popular. Um. So, Sarah, yeah, we are talking about the law this week. And even though I am qualified to give legal advice, (laughs) um, (laughs) I've decided not to. um, Because the lawyer has slapped something. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you weren't allowed to say you're a lawyer anymore. (laughs) Certified amateur professional. Um, So, Mm. yeah, if that's not a lawyer, I don't know what is. (laughs) (laughs) Please, it's barely a paralegal. (laughs) Um, no, but I did want to talk to you about the law, um, because the law. Some, well, no, sometimes I think like, oh, everything is just getting way better. Um, but in reality, it's not for LGBTQI people. In fact, every, well, it depends where you live. Yeah. In, in every day there can be something that's, that's happening. I mean, for me recently, I had a, an issue with, um, you know, someone asking me who'd given birth to my child, you know, in a work situation in order to get flexible working arrangements. Now, you can't actually ask somebody that. 
So, and that, and that I was ask people if they give birth all the time <laughs> at work. No, I don't. No. I'm like, are you pregnant? <laughs> no, I don't. I've never done that. Um, and thankfully, it's never happened to me. It's going to leave that one. Oh, shit. Um, no, but stuff is happening to people all the time. And I think, I think, having had that experience happen to me, mm. um, when I did speak it to a- It soured you? Can I speak? When I did <laughs> speak to a lawyer, it was very surprising to me what was actually available as a course of action. Um and I think that other people might be interested in that as well. Do you think that is the same for you? Um, did it sour you? <laughs> what? Did, did it make you negative? I'm just asking. It had quite an effect on you is the point that I'm making. It did. It kind of almost brought me. And that's obviously why you went to see a lawyer. Let's just not say we're having a giggle about it. Oh, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Somebody it, asked yeah. you. Sally really went through the walls with it. Yeah, I really did, and it really did affect me mentally. Um, She's only just been cleared by a doctor now. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't see a doctor? (laughs) No, I did, actually, Um, you know, because I think that mental health is is very important, as you know. Um, God, she's harping on about again. (laughs) If you do need support, we do have a support page. Um, It's a big round circle that says support. So if you need support, go grab it. (laughs) Um, No, but it did. Going back to that, it did. It did really muck me around because it shocked me mm. uh, what happened and then it shocked me the tactics that um, my old workplace used yeah. in order to not be responsible for what they had said. So I think, and it really, yeah, it really surprised me that this kind of bullshit was still happening to mm. people, that, that somebody would even think to ask that. And it made me wonder what the hell's going on for everybody else, you know, day to day. You know, particularly trans people, I think. I don't know if you wanted to speak to that, Sarah. Why would I want to? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just thought you had an interest in that area. Mm, interest. Sure, let's call it an interest. Yeah. Um, well, my transition at my previous employer where I was working, I'd been working for a good seven years. Mm. When I transitioned, so I was established in the business. I knew people. I had friends there. So, but I found it a very positive experience. I mean, sure, you're expecting negativity, Mm. but it was very supportive and I had a lot of control in it. My HR rep was really good about it. She was seeking her own information outside of what I was providing her. So it was made very easy. So over about four months, we had meetings once a month just to catch up and see how things were going. I'd set a date. Um, And then more specifically, the rollout was planned and I would come out to my team on a Friday afternoon. And then my department had another team in Melbourne and right after our meeting they would have one, which I wasn't involved in, obviously. Um, uh, But I did create the presentation and stuff Mm -hmm. like that that they were doing. I wanted to have control and I wanted to say the things that I wanted to say Um, because I knew it was going to be rolled out to the entire workplace um, who 
interacted with me. So it was basically the other team in Melbourne and the whole site in Brisbane. Um, so I had the meeting on Friday. It went quite well. I mean, everyone was very supportive. Um, I mean, a funny question, which I still think about to today, came from uh, one of the girls in the team and she was like, oh, so this, does this mean you're going to become like a trans activist now? <laughs> what? Yeah, that was her question. And what did you say? And I'm like, mm, I'm pretty much an activist already, so yeah. Yeah, thanks, sister. Yeah. Have you heard any bad stories about people transitioning at work? Um, Not about transitioning. I mean, a lot of trans friends that I had just had difficulty getting work in the first place. Oh, really? Why? Um, Because they were older and they transitioned later, so obviously they're passability I guess is the term probably best used for it wasn't me who transitioned younger and so you're talking about someone so who maybe like drove a a bobcat yeah and then that didn't translate yeah Yeah. as a skill well it's still a skill but I mean they had stopped working for whatever reason, then transitioned, and then they were looking for work again and actually had to result to being a sex worker. Really? Hmm. Result? Resort. Resort. I think what? it said result. So resort. So they, this like on the street or No, for a brothel. A brothel. Wow. Hmm. And do they still work there? I've lost contact with them, but I don't think they do. I think they realistically only did that to make ends meet and then they met their partner and got married and live in the country or something now. Oh, okay. From the brothel to the country. Yeah. There's a TV show in that. Yeah. Wow, that's insane yeah. that – But that was like a big part of a lot of the trans people that I'd known. And I must admit, and I'm unsure where this has really come from, but I really don't have trans friends these days. Mm. Is it because you just basically don't have any friends? And so you don't have trans friends either? You're at my party, you know, I've got (laughs) friends. You'll have to let me know that firm you hired them from. Oh, shut up. <laughs> um, no, I have friends. I'll Is it because you're stealth? I think it's probably that way. But then I, most of my trans friends had moved away, so contact was lost and stuff. And one of them actually stopped transitioning and then went back to being a guy. Ah. And I was a little bit... Not judgmental of that, but I. It was for the other person. What other person? It was so the relationship would work with the other person they were in it oh, with. Okay. And that's happened twice that I've known of. Two tra- two trans dating. One of them happy to enter into it, but then as soon as they get into it, a few months go. Oh, actually. I prefer guys. And then it's always been these two people that I've known as trans women 
originally than go back to living as men. Both of them or one of them? Both of them. It's happened twice. Okay. Two different relationships. Interesting. Mm. But finding a job is a difficult one, especially when it comes down to passability, I think. Um, I don't know. I... I, I feel I need to say it not in a narcissistic way or anything like that, but I guess I I lucked out in a few areas. I have a feminine voice. This is my natural voice. Mm. Um, I look feminine in the face. I can pass in that way. Mm. And there are obviously other transgender women who haven't, unfortunately had that and it just makes it more difficult for them yeah but I mean that must that's a few years ago now so hopefully it's changed I guess I can only go by my experience and I transitioned in a workplace I then quit that workplace to go back to study I got another job at another workplace while I was studying for two years And then when I was starting to go back after graduating and looking for work, I got a temp job and then I got my actual job. So I don't really have any bad experience about it. Yeah. For this episode, I talked to um, Matilda from the LGBTQI Legal Centre in Brisbane um, and I was really happy to know um, that there are a lot of laws that cover yeah. our community and people just can't say and do whatever they want to you because you have legal avenues to yeah. go down. But like most things, if people don't know, and talking in a more personal respect for the transgendered people I've known, they just end up in a low socioeconomic status and you just don't think you've got those avenues to get that information or have that understanding of, well, this can't happen. Mm. Well, there, I mean, there are free legal services around. Mm. That people... But I guess it's about knowing that they're there as well. And mm. some people just don't have that maybe connection to the community, they keep to themselves, whatever it may be. Well, if they listen to podcasts, they would know from our podcast. Oh, well, that's true. That you can seek help. And there are support groups. I mean, there is a transgendered support group here in Brisbane at SICK. I had never been a member. I went to meet them when I started to transition just to get some advice and stuff. But, I mean, that's a very good avenue. Let's go talk to Matilda about the law. And it's Australian law um, for all our overseas listeners. I'm sorry um, if this doesn't interest you, but it might interest you. Um, Yeah, we found out about some Australian law and some Queensland law as well. Any discrimination? um, What is it? Vilification laws Mm. as well. Um, What you can and can't say to people. I think I talk about my experience um, that I just shared with you. Yeah, she carries on about that a lot. It really affected me. It really... Yeah, it, I know I was there. God, that's not I know, really but it. it really destroyed my faith in humanity for a while there. So it just was... I, I just could not believe that it was happening. I know, it's strange. Yeah, it was awful. 
Um, and I'm still quite mentally affected by that, I think. But oh, is that the excuse? <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, um, Matilda, thanks for coming on. Um, you work at the LGBT... Thanks for having me. <laughs> no worries. Um, you work at the LGBTI Legal Service in Brisbane, don't you? Uh, yeah, I'm the um, Principal Solicitor and, and President of the LGBTI Legal Service. Okay. And so, what do, what do you guys do? So, we help people on matters relating to sexuality, gender identity and intersex status um, with legal matters. So a lot, a lot of what we do is discrimination law, um, people having problems with their employers, uh, people having family law issues and they want to have a more specialised advice. Um, we help trans people to change their identity documents um, or you know, trans kids who want to bring family court matters because they might have a dispute between their parents or need some help changing their identity um, yeah, this this kind of thing. So it really depends on what clients come to us with, but that's the majority of the work that we're doing at the moment. Okay, wow. Um, I kind of think sometimes, like, for me, 2018, like, uh, is is there much discrimination happening? And then I hear stories from people like you guys um, about the amount of discrimination that still happens um, in everyday life. Yeah, there is. I think, I think we can tend to live in little bubbles when you've been out for a long time and um, your community around you are supportive, uh, but um, that's certainly not the case for everyone. And um, a lot of people are actually still afraid to come out in their workplace. Um, and because um, when they do, some people do still experience discrimination. So um, we are, um, yeah, so we're still definitely facing a range of disadvantages um, in terms of discrimination and um, as well as that we saw a spike in discrimination occurring during the postal vote period so people were um, facing prejudiced views a lot more frequently. It suddenly became okay to say no to equal, equal rights. Um, so, we, so we have seen a resurgence of it since then. Okay. Because that's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, that's something that I was, like, afraid of when that postal survey came out. Um, what kind of stuff was happening for people? Um, I guess we saw when people were trying to access goods and services, just people making, you know, the usual prejudiced, uninformed opinions, but suddenly um, those opinions were coming out and, you know, people were being refused services, people were being experiencing, you know, damaging... Um, comments made in the workplace uh, and uh, a whole range across the board, you know, I mean, even within within their families are experiencing things and certainly Facebook was a large part of that as well. We um, collected a lot of complaints of vilification, so you might know, you might have heard about federal race discrimination protections, mm -hmm. but we also have protections on the basis of sexuality and gender identity. So if somebody says something that it brings contempt towards um, gay or lesbian people, trans people, um, and they put that up on uh, even on Facebook, uh, that counts as the internet, um, even, yeah, so 
recommend be found viable for those comments. And people were making horrific comments in response to, um, you know, having this matter brought for debate. So, um, yeah, the, the kind of public end of that was that there was a lot of unlawful hate speech that was happening. So we're, uh, we've been looking into that lately. Okay, so what's the bar that needs to be reached for something to be considered like hate, hate speech? It's the serious contempt and, or, or ridicule um, of a person's based on um, their sexuality, gender, or identity. Um, so it needs, to, it, needs to, it, needs to, it needs to incite hatred for, towards them. So it needs to be quite, quite a serious bar, but we have certainly have seen that bar um, time and time again during the postal vote and in, in general. So, um, yeah, it's not okay um, to engage in um, material that might cross that bar. So, um, yeah, comments about, I mean, the most obvious ones are comments like threatening violence on the basis of homosexuality, but it doesn't even need to be, that's a, that's a complaint of serious vilification. That's just inciting hatred towards someone, you know, saying um, that gay people are more likely to be pedophiles, for example, or, um, yeah. you know, that this will lead the way to children being a that voting if on marriage equality will lead the way to children being abused. Um, yeah, there was a lot of comments that were kind of on the threshold and some comments that were clearly hate speech. Isn't that, it? It's so, it's so disappointing, isn't it, like that, that it's still like that for some people? Yeah, yeah, and I think, yeah, the post vote did um, make you realise that the bubble that you're in is not necessarily the bubble everyone's in. And particularly, you know, there are very vulnerable members of our community um, who are uh, made more vulnerable by their, you know, their cultural or religious backgrounds, um, by the fact that they have carers um, because of their disabilities. Um, so a range of different factors can contribute to um, people not being able to escape this prejudice. Yeah, okay. Um so for some, like for some people, um, and especially when it happened to me, like discrimination can be quite subtle as the other end of the stick, and I think that's sort of more hard to recognise for some people. Yeah. Because um, I know with my situation at work, I was looking to do some flexible working arrangements so I could sort of meet some responsibilities with my daughter. And um, when I asked for it, they asked me who had given birth to her. Um, and right. yeah, and then said to me, "Oh, but people have pets as well, and they might want to work from home." Um, to which oh I, I know, which I was like, "Okay, I'm really happy for people with pets to work from home." Like, however, um, yeah, my daughter but it's hardly equivalent to your human child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then, what made matters worse was that two other women um, had, at the same time, asked for the same flexible working arrangements and had been approved um, with no questions about... No questions. And it's actually, Queensland is a bit unique in our jurisdiction. We've got this law that says you can't ask unnecessary questions upon which discrimination may be based. Yes. And that's, a, that's I guess, a good example of an unnecessary question. So why do they need to know who gave birth to the child? Um you know, um, why do they need to know, like being asked about your sexuality or about your HIV status, um, for example, or other examples of things that could be unnecessary questions and it can be an unlawful 
just to ask those questions. Really. And that's something so, interesting that yeah, that I was told when I when I called you guys about unnecessary questions, which. I didn't realise about at the time. Now, I'm 38 and I didn't realise that I don't actually have to answer anything like that about my life or about what I do or, you know, what I mean. And I don't think people know about that, that they don't. Yeah, even asking go to birth, it can be an unnecessary question. So, yeah, Yeah. one of the cases was someone who got asked for go to birth and he got $5,000 because it just was a standard question on... um, the you know the big employer that always they always just had that as part of their interview process and um, the court said no why do you need to know data birth if, you know you could that could, could lead to discrimination on the basis of age so yeah, yeah. certainly it's, it's, a, it's I think it's a good protection because it it's, you know makes employers or you know other people question um, why am I asking this is it just for my curiosity like and I think trans people in particular face a lot of unnecessary questions so. Um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, like, why would anyone need to know what your genitals look like? And yet they probably ask that very frequently by services. Um, it's insane, yeah. isn't it? Like, it's, yeah. it's absolutely insane. What do you think the future um, in regard to trans rights will be like in Queensland and Australia, I guess? Like, are we moving towards definite equality kind of? I think we have some strong protections in the law. We probably have stronger protections in the law than what the community are aware of. So it's important. there are strong protections for trans people. There are strong protections for gender diverse people in federal law as well that have been recently implemented. So um, people who wish to identify with pronouns other than he and she um, also have some protections in the law now. So... Um, and certainly we've been doing some training with uh, women's organisations and DV service providers and things like that on um, through, throughout the state on um, what are their obligations when it comes to trans clients and just um, um, community education forums about yeah, the rights of trans, of trans people because um, people don't know that they have these rights so they just accept being treated in a certain way or being discriminated against or being asked unnecessary questions. Yeah. It's and even, even the High Courts looked at the question of uh, um, recognising trans uh, people because it's, it's looked at, there was a case of two trans men over in WA who sought to challenge birth, death and marriages register because birth, death and marriages register was saying you have to have bottom surgery in order to... Um, be recognised as a man. And the High Court looked at it and actually came up with, you know, you'd think High Court, you know, conservative old institution there, but it's actually come up with a really good um, kind of thing saying gender is more than just about genitals, it's about a social determination, it's about a whole range of different factors. So, yeah, we're certainly seeing legal rights are coming along very fast in this area and I think it's really important that people know that they have legal rights or even if you just suspect I think I've been treated unfairly go and get some legal advice because it could well be that you can um, bring a a complaint and um, the legal service is there to where we have capacity we can represent people Um, obviously it's a very small service but yeah certainly we can give people good advice about where to go yeah, I guess that's the the key takeaway, isn't it? Like, if you think something isn't right, just go and have a chat to you guys. Um, exactly. Yeah. Because better. The worst that can happen is we tell you no, you don't have any rights. <laughs> but you know, at least you know then. Um, and also, you know, we're pretty good at. Um, we see our role much broader than just being lawyers. Like, we do a lot of 
really successful law reform campaigning. So we've had we've been really part at the forefront of um, the changes around gay panic defence and gay adoption and um, the kind of rainbow revolution of uh, LGBTI law reform that's happened over the last five years in Queensland. We've been um, right there at the forefront of it all, uh, working with the government to change the, all these outdated laws that still allow prejudice. Are there, are there many outdoor, outdated laws still left to change? Oh, there's a couple left. I've still got some on my list. <laughs> I've got like, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's mainly just carryover from previous eras. Um, so, and they're laws that aren't really having much um, in practice anymore. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there are still laws saying, for example, that... Um, IBS clinics can discriminate on the basis of sexuality now. Who's, nobody ever does that because why are they going to lose all that business? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but those laws are still on the books. So we want, to, we want to campaign for those laws to be changed because they're part of an outdated era that, you know, allowed this kind of moralistic judgment on whether or not we could make families. Um, so, yeah, we're still pushing for continued legal changes, but... On the whole, there have been just so many changes recently, and even with that law, you could still bring a complaint under the federal jurisdiction. So, even usually where there's a block in the state law, there's often a way through um, the federal law and vice versa. So, um, it can make it more complicated, but yeah, certainly um, we do often find a way through clients' problems. Do you get much opposition um, to wanting to change those laws? Yeah, we're usually up against the Christian lobby, um, um, the ACL, um, but we also, ha- I feel like we also have a lot of support and now we can point, I mean, I didn't, I think the coastal vote led to a lot of damage to our community, but it's also very useful to be able to say, look, we have a huge broad base of support across the, across the Australian community for LGBTI issues. Yeah. Wow. Um, what about... What about teachers and stuff and kids at school? Like, does the law cover them as well? Like, kids being bullied at school for being LGBT? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It covers, uh, well, there's, with schools, they've got a duty of care in relation to bullying. So, um, kids can sometimes bring bullying complaints, particularly where the school should be aware of it, where they've been notified, um, and, um, yeah, so there's that aspect, there's discrimination aspects. So a child of any age could bring a discrimination complaint. Um, you don't need your parents' permission. Okay. And um, this discrimination complaints can be brought against um, uh, public schools and also against private schools, even religious schools. So say a trans person is not allowed to wear a uniform that they wish to wear um, or change their name or change their pronoun. These are all things that you could um, bring a discrimination complaint or being bullied um, because of your um, sexuality or your gender identity where the school's, um, you know, can't, not supporting you and saying that you have to put up with it. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, these, it's kind of, it's kind of it's again, there's a lot of different legal aspects because it's discrimination, it's a breach of their duty of care. Some of the stuff around their trans identity can also be a breach of privacy. Yeah. So if you're made to use a disabled toilet or, you know, a toilet not of your gender, identity, for example, um, the other kids will go, oh, what's wrong with that kid? <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you know, could be outing you as trans. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of um, different implications and different solutions, obviously, for different um, kids. And, um, yeah, it's certainly worth talking to a lawyer if you are having trouble at school. Yeah, and so if you're an LGBT teacher um, and you're at a, say, a religious school, they can't fire you, can they, for being gay or trans? I think it would or? be very hard. Um, it's another one of those laws that there is this exemption in there, but it's been tested in the courts and found to be... You need to de- they need to demonstrate that it's a genuine occupational requirement. So something like, um, yeah, the priests, and for example, obviously that could be a genuine occupational requirement um, if there's religious, you know, if you're holding a religious role, yeah. but a maths teacher, for example, why, why is it even relevant? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the courts will look at these things um, and, yeah, and, I mean, I love running these kind of test cases on these issues, so it's, it's always worth coming to see a lawyer and if it's... You know, if it's going to be a test case, we'll let you know. We'll say, you know, we don't think you've got a good chance or we do think you've got a good chance or yeah. let's, you know, set, let's set the precedent. Let's be the test case. Let's be the one that um, sets it up for the others Yeah, that's great. That's how the law kind of evolves. It's, um, it's very comforting knowing that you guys are out there because I know especially in my situation, um, you know, it was very comforting knowing that, you know, I think I spoke to some people for an hour, over an hour and, yeah, they were extremely helpful. So, yeah, subtle or not, it's um, it's pretty devastating when, when it happens. Absolutely. And you see, you do see um, people with huge impacts from the discrimination once they've experienced discrimination in the workplace, you know, being able, unable to work in that workplace any longer. And for some people, they can, you know, it, it impacts to the next workplace as well. They're worried that you know, about coming out then in the next workplace or worried about experiencing the same discrimination. It can be a barrier then to finding work. Um, yeah, and all of that is taken into account if you do win a case in terms of determining the amount of compensation that you may be entitled to. Yeah. All right, well, thank you very much for spending some time with us today, Matilda. Um, it's been fascinating, absolutely fascinating. That's um, all right, yeah. So... Um, the, the details, if you want to come look up the LGBTI Legal Service, come and see us during our, one of our advice sessions. Send us an email, give us a call, um, let us know your legal problems and um, we'll do our best to help you out. Yeah, and I'll put the details on the webpage um, when the episode great. goes live as well. So, yeah. Okay, great. Thank cool. you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Uh, no all right. Worries. Okay, see you later. Okay. Bye. bye.